What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Hamilton, the musical on Disney Plus. And actually, we watched it yesterday <gasps> on July 3rd when oh. it premiered oh, no. opens because yeah. we were off from work. Yeah. And today is July 4th. The day after. The day after it came out. And I said yesterday after watching it, I'm too exhausted. I need to process for a little bit (laughs) before we have a podcast on it. And so here we are today podcasting about it. So here we are with our first impressions of the film. Of course, not quite first impressions of the musical. Uh, Yeah, just the conversation that we have in the car after seeing... (laughs) A piece of theater or a movie, but not in the car because we don't go out anymore. No. Um, unresearched and unrehearsed. <laughs> Although, again, we've read up a lot on Hamilton yes. over the years. We've read a lot so. of Hamilton. I've listened to the soundtrack countless times. Like, yeah. I, I did not sing along with it, but I could have <laughs> as yeah. we were watching it. And as I say, I'm the worst musical theater major ever. Yes. I don't like listening to musical soundtracks. <laughs> I want to see the show in the context the music appears in yes. so um i've i think i've listened to it once or yeah, twice yeah we listened to it we listened to it once like driving 5 years ago to dallas when it once. came yeah came i was up. like amy we have to listen to hamilton and you're like and fine I, that first... we'll listen to hamilton <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz i don't like listening to musical theater i, I am the worst musical theater major um ever but I remember listening to it the first time in the car in, yeah. in 2015 or 2016 and getting, like, chills from it. Because it's, it's really good. It's amazing. Like, so I know I know we're going to maybe tear this dude apart no, to we're quote not, it. We're not but gonna... I want to say, it's an amazing musical. Yeah. No, it <laughs> it's, is. It's wonderful. I was just thinking about it earlier today, and I was like, this is such a fascinating musical happening in such... I'm going to say a fascinating cultural moment, but it's really just a fucked up one. Like, um, where this musical is all, yes, and. Yeah. That is the react. Yes, it is amazing. It's brought, you know, so many people, new people to a musical theater mm-hmm. audience. It's like revived people going to Broadway. Yeah. Um, there's so many amazing things that we can talk about. There's so much praise. And it has some really problematic blind spots. Yes. And we put a lot more pressure on it because it is so popular. It yeah. is so kind of one of a kind in what it does. Yes. And so. Yeah. So, yeah. And as you listen to this and you hear us go into all of the things we're going to say, because there's going to be a bunch, uh, keep that in mind. That we, we, at least I can't speak for Amy. I loved this musical. I loved watching it. I loved listening to it. I really enjoyed the entire experience. And we're going to talk about some of the deficiencies because that's what we focus on sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's much easier to criticize than it is to praise. Yeah, we just watched a, a Lindsay Ellis video about that. <laughs> yes, yes. Her video essay on Titanic, which came out like yesterday or the day yeah. before. Um, yeah, but we have a lot of praise. And the, also, there's a gap. In the literature of Hamilton. Yes. I mean, if you're in the know and kind of the scholarly community, I feel like you, you probably kind of know, know about, about the it. criticism, but it has been universal praise. Yes. For, Un- unlike um, any piece of theater that I've encountered in my life. Yeah. Like, there is, there is nothing that has the reputation and the adoration that Hamilton has. 
voices, both from the critical circles, but also from the, the popular culture. And, you know, I look to other popular musicals of my lifetime or thereabouts, and I think of like, yeah, Book of Mormon is really popular, but it has waned in popularity to a certain extent and is so, so racist. racist. So racist. Um, and anyone who tells you a satire doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, that it is satire. Well, that it is a that's, satire. That's, it, that, that's not a defense of the racism, and the racism isn't being satirized. <laughs> yes. Yes. You were just missing a couple words in yeah. your statement. Um, and then I think of like Wicked was really big. Like Wicked is maybe one of the biggest musicals, and it had nowhere near the reach that Hamilton does. It didn't, but it did have like tons of praise yes. at the time. And I yes. think we're now there's some more. Eh, it's not aging quite. Yeah, not, I mean, not in problematic terms, but in more like book lyric. Yeah, terms. Um, like yeah, Defying Gravity is the peak of Wicked, and you still have half of Wicked to watch after that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also in a similar way to like this, the Disney Plus film is the original cast mm-hmm. filmed in 2016 on Broadway, and that is going to be the definitive cast forever, forever. Yeah, um, that like you're going to see that cast. Yeah, and and now they've all they've all moved on. There's mm-hmm. a couple There's national casts. tours yeah. of it going on, and. Um, so, which is how a lot of people are going to see it live mm-hmm. in person, but this is a moment to capture it, that original cast in a way that, like, I think of Wicked's original cast, yes. uh, Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah, I think of, like, Ren's original Rent's cast. Ren's original cast, and we got that film, what, 10, <laughs> 20 years later. Way too late. Yeah, They're <laughs> all, like, no, in their 40s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's like a definitive cast. And if you're a huge musical theater fan, then the original cast for most musicals is going to be your definitive. Of and course. you're gonna you're gonna get into the nitty gritty and, and compare who played this role um, with who played it later, and yeah. what they did better, what they did different. George, George Hearn is a better Sweeney Todd than the original Sweeney Todd. That's that's my strong opinion. They were both on the original Broadway production, but he replaced uh, the first guy. And I think he does a better job. Yeah. Um, musical theater nerd. Because I'm a musical theater nerd and I have opinions like that. And, but since Hamilton has brought like new audiences in, they may not be thinking about mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Although I think, I honestly think, and, and watching the filmed version of it more, I am I am impressed by like how much a new cast could bring to this. Because I think mm-hmm. I think certain things. Rent and Sweeney Todd, for that matter, are almost iconic, not just in their casts, but in the way that their casts perform it. There is so much performative space in Hamilton that I think you could bring in whole new casts and not change the music dramatically, but bring new richness and new depth to it, which is often, I think, the sign of a really good musical. I think... I don't think Rent has that depth. I think you're very limited by the book of Rent, so mm-hmm. to speak, in in your portrayal of the various characters. Whereas I think Hamilton gives a lot of space yeah. for the characters. Which is one of the reasons it's so good. Yes. And it <laughs> deserves all the awards yeah. and, that it's gotten. And watching it, I know you, you kind of said, like, you feel obligated to watch it, um, but... 
like watching it to me as someone who has listened to the soundtrack multiple times, this was such a richer experience. Not surprisingly. See, that's why you don't like to listen. I get it. I get it. But as a as the musical theater nerd, that's all we get ninety nine percent of the yeah. time, and yeah. that's all we have to work from, other than the occasional regional production or the touring theater for the big shows. Um, but wow, was it so much better to watch? Yeah, like, and I love the album. I'm still going to listen to the album, but this was beautiful. Like, I need I need to figure out if they're going to release this on Blu-ray so I can own this. Yeah, because I can't not own this and it's definitely worth watching again and oh, again and absolutely i was so exhausted in watching it just because there's so like there's just so many layers you can't get it yeah, all in one there's so much going on in this thing that you got to break it apart and think about it and just experience it you know i uh i always read a script for the first time for pleasure before mm-hmm. i start to like analyze it analyze, analyze it the word. um or break down in beats or do whatever mm-hmm. Um, so this is my time to like just sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy it, and of course it's a film version, so it's not a replacement for seeing it live in person. No, except that it's the original cast, which yes. we're not going to see again. Maybe for like I mean an anniversary Lin- edition. Lin Manuel Miranda said he's going to be playing this role for the rest of his life. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah. most of the other portions of the cast are going to move on to other things, yeah. and, and, and they have, and they have, and, and so is Miranda, and he's worked on a lot of things since then, and. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be, I don't think he'll come back to Broadway soon. I think he's got a lot of other stuff on his plate. Um, but I would love to see whatever he does next. Well, but. I mean, yes. And that's a statement we could have made in the before times. But now nothing's well, yes. ever now going nothing's to be ever coming to <laughs> Again. So. Yes, that's if, that's true. If we could have said that before. Before. In the before times. Um, um, yeah, so. Yes, go see Hamilton Live if the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And. In filming it, they don't, you know, it's not just one wide shot of the stage. They're doing close-ups and mm-hmm. cut shots of, of actors. and Yeah. So you can't watch the whole thing. They're, they're telling you where to watch. Yes. Um, although I think they did a pretty good job of that compared to some other, you know, pro shot productions I've seen. Yeah. Well, and I think it helps. It's kind of a small stage. Yes. Um, so. it's, a, it's a fairly small stage and it's a fairly empty stage. Right. There's, it's deconstructed. Yeah. Set. Um, I did notice early on, and this wasn't true 100% of the time, but I noticed that the camera almost exclusively stayed at the eye line of the audience. So a lot of the time we were either looking straight on or slightly up, mm-hmm. which which replicates a little bit that feeling of doing it. There were still some overhead shots and things yeah. like that, but the majority of it was at least shot from the front and then the sort of the flat plane of the audience, which I thought was um, an interesting creative choice because when you have the freedom of the camera, you can go anywhere and do a lot of stuff with it. And there were only a few times where they did that. The the initial entrance of King George being one and then yeah. a couple overhead shots to see the intricacies of the choreography. Mm-hmm. They show the, um, from upstage when George Washington and King George are like, Transition. Transition. Yes. Um, so yeah. you see it. Yeah. From, from upstage. From, from upstage. You see it from a position that no audience member has ever seen it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was an interesting choice. Because um, I think about, like, the Cats stage film mm-hmm. production, which is not the original cast of Cats and is not even the original production of Cats. It was made specifically for being filmed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that camera's all over the place. Um, they, they, it feels like a soundstage rather than an, a theatrical stage. Yeah, so there's an art. And, and the, the quality of filmed, of live theater is getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming a, a genre, a medium within itself. Yes. That, that we're beginning to study and mm-hmm. write about and whatnot. Yeah, so not quite the... Not quite the, the same experience no. and go, but I watching it, I felt like I had already seen it. It is so saturated into like the the moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've heard the soundtrack, I've seen the clips. Like I walked watched one of the PBS has like a little documentary mm-hmm. on it. I watched which that. for a long time was people's only video of the show, right? Because it's yeah impossible yeah. to get in although i mean people did yes obviously <laughs> yeah i saw an interview with uh miranda who was like someone was saying like this is gonna be the largest audience that has ever seen your work by like orders of magnitude because mm-hmm. um, even with like the world's most popular broadway show the people who have number of people who have seen it is incredibly small compared to the potential audience of disney plus <laughs> yeah yeah and i think people would ask us if we were going to go see it and things and art, we're like, well, we can't afford to go to New York even if yeah. we could get tickets. We yeah. couldn't afford that. Um, you know, there's such a cost involved to get on the touring shows. You had to buy season tickets for mm-hmm. the performing yeah. uh, or art centers. Get into the lottery. Previous, or get into the lottery. Um, and yeah, so big barriers, and we didn't do the work. No, um, I entered the lottery a couple of times, and it was in Austin, but we didn't get it. Many people yeah. did, and that's and I will yeah. say Hamilton, the production is powerful in that it has always had the lottery. I think it yeah. has it has done what it can to help more, more people accessible. get access to it, and they did school shows, and you know they bring in an entire school to go watch it. Um, and the ten dollar lottery, I think, was was always designed to be able to get other people into it because it is so inaccessible yeah. as a Broadway show. Yeah, and I mean, I think we knew we were never going to see it and see the original cast, no. and this will be touring forever. Yeah, so we will get a chance to see it um, live. You know, the tours are not a substitute for Broadway; they're never quite as good, but <laughs> often, oftentimes. Yeah, they're they're different. They have they're they different. have they have their own unique flavor because it's it's not only a different cast, but it's a different cast who's performing on a new stage every three days. Yeah. And that's a lot of strain. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's. All, I can't compare the tours. <laughs> I mean, we're going to see the tour, and it'll be great. I'm sure Broadway. we'll love it. Yeah. Uh, so what are your what are your pros? Your your uh, positive things in seeing it now for. Um, I mean, there's a lot. I, uh, the first thing that I noticed, this is literally the first note I wrote other than June 2016, which is when it was filmed, um, which talk about an important moment in American history. Mm -hmm. June 2016 (laughs) is one of those. Um, something that, that impressed me early on that does not come across in the soundtrack, in my opinion, was how vulnerable Lin-Manuel Miranda played Hamilton, particularly Mm. in the, in the first half of the first act um it it was it felt much more like a 19 year old who doesn't know his place in the world he's starting to try and figure things out he's a little braggadocious but he's using that to mask a lot of uncertainty and doubt Mm -hmm. um that is 
a core part of the character's persona and personality. And I, I paused there for a moment because I'm like, I want to make sure it's clear that we're talking about the characters. We're not interested necessarily in the historical realities mm-hmm. of the founding of the country and Alexander Hamilton's right. actual life. Right. Which is not to say that much of this is very closely tied to what we know about Hamilton's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the apparently incredibly well-researched biography by Chernow. Which also has its blind spots. Yes. Um, and I think it's interesting that, speaking of those blind spots, I think this musical wants to acknowledge that history and historiography is always an incomplete process. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it succeeds. (laughs) I think it wants to say that. But I think it is too tied up in the empiricism of, well, this is what we have, so we know this is what happened. Mm. Right. And then we get the burning letters The burning of letters, which is just called, I think, burn. um, That Eliza, Mm -hmm. Hamilton's wife, um, right? The whole song is about, we don't know how she felt about Mm -hmm. this affair that he had. And, you know, history doesn't, we don't have it, so we don't know. Um, which is, that's such a historiography, like, 101 yes. kind of question <laughs> to have about history. But they're inserting those kind of moments mm-hmm. to say that, well, and know, I think, we don't... Uh, the Room Where It Happens does the same thing in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, but then it also kind of gets to the end of it, and it's like, here's Hamilton's life in a nice little bow. Yeah. And so, like, by the end of it, it, it almost seems like it's forgotten those missing well i mean the the emotional trajectory you're got these you're going through it these are extremely compelling characters they are extremely compelling songs like you are cheering and you are going through the heartache and the heartbreak and uh you know it's kind of i i in in first watching it my emotional kind of reaction is at the end it's it's ending kind of tragically even mm-hmm. though you know he's going to be shot by Aaron Burr yeah um and even if you don't know it, it's the the play starts off by telling you that right right <laughs> but you're still like oh yeah no no <laughs> and, and I think that is the intent of the kind of the mm-hmm. you get so tied up in those feelings that and those are so real yes that there's maybe not you kind of forget about what we don't know what his we don't yeah, know the, our, the ambiguities the and ambiguities. the missing the missing parts of the history the, the stories we don't have right and the, I mean it is the last song is like who lives who dies I mean that's not the first time no it's a, who, it's a theme throughout the lives, whole show who tell you your story well they're telling me the story and I'm really involved with it <laughs> um, and it kind of has become in the popular imagination this definitive history of yes. Hamilton. Yes. It, I mean, yeah, this if people know the story of Alexander Hamilton beyond he was in a duel with Aaron Burr, they know it because of this. Like in today's era. Yeah. Yeah. But and that that's some of the what contributes to the finality. Yeah. Of that last song isn't about the things that we don't know and the mm-hmm. things that were maybe bad mm-hmm. not maybe they were definitely <laughs> that were bad, bad. <laughs> uh yeah it does it does kind of wrap it up in the bow but yeah um yeah other positive things i'm sure i have lots um 
you have positive things? I'm still, I'm still processing. That's fair. Like, I could barely, <laughs> like, uh, even, even what you said about Manuel, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's vulnerability as mm-hmm. Hamilton, um, it, like, went over my head in how much <laughs> that I was, was trying to yeah. process of things. Uh. Um, you know, I really does, uh, like the design of the show. Yeah. I like, um... Too that because it's so mad, like no one could anticipate what this hit this would be. Yeah, but it's brought to the masses. I feel like uh, this non-realism mm-hmm. in theater. Of course, we can talk about the casting. We'll we'll talk about the casting <laughs> as um, yeah, as non-realism, a deconstructed set that where you are using actor and performers' bodies to kind of create some set pieces. You're you're bringing in some set pieces but it's really empty you got the turntable that's being choreographed and used to tell stories in a really interesting way (laughs) you have the dancers in you know kind of undergarments Mm -hmm. um which i think function one to really differentiate the um speaking the roles from the-, from the dancers but then the dancers can also come in and make you know put on a costume piece here or there which are the types of theatrical language that i love i love to see in theater yeah, i absolutely um, love it you know there's a place for phantom of the opera and the chandelier <laughs> and the spectacle of stage effects and then you know there's also a place for this kind of stage yeah and and that like, i'm right there with you i prefer I, this like this i think this is so much more evocative like, I don't care about realism. I want to feel it. Yeah. And we don't, like, we don't really need realism. Argument. You can argue with me. We don't need realism in the theater anymore. We have film. We film. It's, it's nearly impossible to do it well yeah. in the theater. Um, again, things that I knew but were, were heightened for me. Um, the disparity of King George from everything else mm-hmm. was so beautiful. Um, his opening song, um, which... I mean, I was thinking, like, this reminds me of Fosse um, in the movements, mm. because it was such these small, precise, it's little, true. isolated movements that convey so much. Um, and um, Jonathan Groff mm-hmm. played, yeah, Jonathan Groff um, brought a lot to that. And of course we see him close up, you know, we're getting yeah. that, that close up thing. And so we I'm also picturing, the body. well, so I'm so also much. picturing though, like what that looks like from the audience mm-hmm. and the amount of control he has to have to pull that off in a way that it reads to the back rows, which I suspect he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so separate. The The costume is so much more ornate yes. than other costumes. Yeah. Um, He's downstage. He's, although not necessarily Senator, we're still playing with stage mm-hmm. left, stage right. You know, he's lit. He's the only one there yeah. on stage. The, the music is, of course, vastly different from everything else. The music else. is vastly different. Um, yeah, I just enjoy, like, the certain, um, that, that British royal accent, <laughs> the upper class British. <laughs> and it's just on, like, certain words where you really notice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's so precise and mm-hmm. so different, but also so cohesive in the whole, the yes. style of the music, even though it's completely different. Like, it fits. It works. It's, yeah, it, it is, it's different on purpose in a way that matches everything else thematically, sort of. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. 
I also like the choice. I can't remember exactly when it happens, but when um, King George sits to watch. Yes. So after this I think government after his take third place. song, I think when he's when when Adams becomes president is that sort of moment. Yeah. He's like John Adams. You put John Adams in charge. I oh, gotta watch yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes and sits on the on you know stage right or what stage left. It's stage right. It's from the actor's perspective. <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember which one's my left and my right. <laughs> it's stage right. Stage right. Um, and sits and, like, watches it for a little while and, like, has little moments of reaction, which I don't think I, we saw enough of. Yeah, I want. that's where I want, like, a more wide shot yeah. of the stage so I can see that. Because, like, you don't notice when he leaves. But it's something I didn't know from... Yeah, like, like that's not going to come across liked, anywhere else. I really um, like that. Because it was, it was, I think, the last time we see George, but it was also the first time that he interacts with anybody outside of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of his his songs yeah. and his solos. Yeah, jo- Jonathan Groff was great. Uh, I mean, I can just go down the cast list and go, yes, he was great. Washington was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington, um, whose actor's name I cannot remember... Which is bad, because I know most of them. Yeah, that's why we've got so um, much information pulled up um, to... Uh, Christopher Jackson played the original Broadway um, Washington. Christopher Jackson made me believe in the myth of George Washington, which was real hard to pull off as someone who is like the opposite of a Washington apologist. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. He's calm and measured. He's a smart military guy. Yeah. Um, but also like emotional and, and caring and like everything you want to believe George Washington was, mm-hmm. um, that kind fatherly yeah, father, of, father of a country, of a country, um, a slightly different, in a different way than the founding fathers Yes, as, as the, ge- the general we are led to believe what won the revolution, mm-hmm. um, and was first president yeah Austrian um, I only say led to believe because war is off is always more complicated <laughs> it wasn't just one person who won it that's all I mean by that um, I love the relationship between Angelica and Eliza that, um, that was a lot more like heart and feeling yeah and you know complex feelings mm-hmm. um, than yeah, I anticipated they were, I think I, everything was my favorite but I think they were actually my favorite, like, characters over the course of the show. I think they were the most interesting, um, despite something we should talk about, which is their sort of periphery nature to the story. That That's true. I kept getting angry with the Skylar sisters, but it wasn't the performance by the actors. It was the, it was the structure. It was the way that they were pushed to the edges of the narrative. Um, especially egregious... I think when you get to the end and it's like, Oh, Eliza Schuyler is the reason we have any of this to begin with. Like she kept all of his stuff and she's the reason we can tell you this story, but we've pushed her to the side for 80% of the show. <laughs> that makes me angry. Yes. Um, but I think Philippa Sue and uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry. Goldsberry did so much amazing work with these two characters, with their relationship to each other, and their sort of relationship to this this man of Hamilton, and the complicated things. Well, they had they were like two of my favorite voices to yes. hear. Yes. They harmonized. They, their voices just sound really good yes. together, which you know can't can't always doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
Although that's because they're always singing, and that's another thing. I'm going to pin that. Um, the always singing? The always singing. <laughs> um, right, because most of it is 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 in... I mean, it's a musical. It's mixing so many genres. Mm-hmm. Um, so other the, most of the other characters at other times are not singing. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, uh, Angelica's song "Satisfied" has a lot of rapping in it. Yep. Um, which I think is my favorite song, and it's not strictly because the Hamilton remix has the, the Hamilton mixtape has um, Queen Latifah doing one of the oh, verses, yeah. but like I like Queen Latifah's rap style, and that is very reminiscent of it in the show. Yeah. And so having Latifah also then perform it is you know circular. But I, I think Satisfied is just one of the best songs in the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daveed Diggs is amazing. Yeah, I think I, 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 think I like his his style. Like, you know, each of the songs is pulling from a different moment in, like, hip-hop history. Yes. Um, and I, like, his, when he is, he's setting the record for, like, most words said in 60 yes. seconds. And it's just... It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts to yeah. hear him doing yeah. that. Yeah, him, him doing that just unbelievably yeah. fast. Um, I think he also did a really good job of um, separating his two characters. So a number of the roles are doubled. Right. Um, so David Diggs played uh, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. And... You can draw, and the, the musical draws parallels between those two characters, not the least of which by having them performed by the same person. Right. Um, but I think Diggs does an amazing job of separating them in his performance. In very clear ways. Um, whereas I think like John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton, physicality-wise, are very similar to each other. As Anthony Ramos yes. is, is doing um, yes. his performance. Even though... It's clearly separate because of the characters are different. So you yes. do see it on that. I'm, not, I'm never but, confused by right, that. Right. Um, but I think Diggs brings more physicality yeah. to the roles. He's bringing he, a both lot of, of them. physicality. Um, and that separates them in the same way that, like, uh, uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name correct. Okarite Onadawan? Um, Hercules Mulligan slash James mm-hmm. Madison. Um, his roles, I think, bled into each other a little bit. I don't think mm-hmm. he had a lot of physical separation between them um, in the same way that Diggs did. And maybe that's just because I saw the two of them together multiple times, and right. so I was able to see that difference. Um, but yeah, everybody was great. Hercules and his uh, Mulligan and James Madison. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I also yeah. think Hercules Mulligan and James Madison are probably the most underwritten characters. Mm-hmm. In terms of characterization. Yeah, they always seem like almost on the lower tier of like, if there's a servant status in the Founding Fathers <laughs> place, because the, they're, they're not servants, but no. th- that is the kind of the feeling. Like they're, they're, the, He's the hype man for, mm-hmm. uh, Madison is the hype man for Jefferson, and that's, that's the role he fills. And Mulligan does that a couple of times for Hamilton mm-hmm. in the first act. Um, and Hype Man is a very specific role in this sort of hip-hop community, and the, the, I keep thinking about the SNL sketch about the oh, Suicide yeah. Doors, but, um. <laughs> in, Donald, in Donald Glover's episode. Yes. Um. um suicide Doors. Yeah. Uh, and so, 
Madison and Mulligan both fill that role, which does put them at a different level of status from, for example, Marquis de Lafayette and uh, Thomas Jefferson. Right. In 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 the play, they are they're moving. Yes. They are making movers and shakers. That's yeah. yeah what what how they are more agency. Um, also, like Philippa Sue's level of emoting during all of her songs. Oh, right. And that's like, it, it reads super well on film. Like yeah. a lot of times when you see theater on film, the level of emoting doesn't is, work. It is too much yeah. for the realism of film. That mm-hmm. But yeah, seeing on her face, uh, just like. Yeah. And I get the feeling it plays well on stage yes. too. From like, what I've heard of people yeah. who have seen it. Like um, it's, it is. It's tough to be able to do both of those. It's also in her voice. Yes. She's bringing so much. She does a lot with her voice. And again, like, uh, uh, Eliza and Angelica, the two main Skylar sisters, Penny, even Peggy. in the music, <laughs> is just, like, and shoved Peggy. to the side. Peggy. It's just <laughs> shoved to the side. Yeah. Um, as is, as is kind of Mariah. Yes. Um, um when she shows up, um. Played by the same actress as Peggy. Right, right. Yes. she's doing the doubling. Um, yeah. We haven't talked about Leslie Odom Jr., who is the star of Hamilton? Yeah, as we got to the end, I was like, is this musical about Hamilton or Amber? Because as if, when I work on editing, you know, I've gotten to the end of, of some articles and books and been like, Wait a second, is this book about this thing? <laughs> Rather than what the title says? But but yeah, no. Aaron Burr is the star of Hamilton. I I have no qualms about that. Um he gets the biggest solo numbers. Yeah. Um he is the narrative driving force of the show in a lot of ways. Right, he's keeping doing the reprising mm-hmm. of um yeah. Well, I saw I saw um, years ago when this was first coming out, Linda Manuel Miranda talking about how Aaron Burr is the Judas of Jesus Christ Superstar in this, and everyone knows Judas is the best role in Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know that, but people say that. But I could definitely see like that is the like we see much more of his internal life. I think. Well, yeah, and we see I think the most growth. Yes. Too. Yeah. Of, of, you know, don't smile, don't talk. Yeah, talk, don't, talk less, smile more. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> talk less, smile more mm-hmm. through this and how that ends up, like, keeping kind of backfiring mm-hmm. on him and the the evolution of his relationship with Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we get, we get arcs on, you know, we get arcs on Hamilton as yes. a braggadocious teenager wants to prove himself mm-hmm. and, you know makes it and makes some mistakes and suffers loss and finds himself. Yeah. um, But Burr has a much cleaner through line. Well, even the way it's staged, he's taking downstage center a lot. All the time, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, Between Room Where It Happens, um, Dear Theodosia... Wait for it, like well, all, all of these. the Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, he's rises. the leader of the of all of those. Even though when they're they're ensemble numbers, he is the center, and because he's the center, and and he carried it. I mean, it was again, everyone was great. 
Yeah, you can't complain. Yeah, this is one of those things where you're gonna you're gonna see everybody in this doing amazing things for the rest of their lives. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and now you, you are too. Yes, <laughs> them in film and TV and whatever. Um, yeah, future things. Yeah, the, the re- yeah, there's so many reasons to watch and rewatch, and you know, people have been listening to the soundtrack forever mm-hmm. because there's so many layers in the music. Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius. Yes, he is so smart. Um, and the layers upon layers of meaning, the words, the type of music, the type of rap, yeah. the references to to historical the direct moments. references. Yeah. Um, yeah, watching the credits was really interesting to see. Like they credit a lot of the songs he was taking pieces from mm-hmm. in the songs. They're like this song, this por- you know portion of this was written by, and the name of the rappers. I didn't recognize a lot of them because I don't know that universe very well. Yeah, um, but it's like there is so much depth of knowledge that is stacked into this thing to create this cohesive whole um, that is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got those layers. Yeah. Uh, you've got the character arcs. Mm-hmm. You've got the dancers to watch and mm-hmm. what how they're contributing to the story. You've got the staging. Um the, yeah. The turntable. The turntable. I literally was the final like moments of the play. I was like, oh, the turntable's a bullseye. <laughs> yeah, but in the last, the second half, instead of the circular lighting, they light, lit it in a square. There were a lot more square lighting in the second act, yes. Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know what that means yet. I gotta <laughs> think about it. There's a lot in this. We're gonna think about it for a long time. <laughs> um, but like, literally like, oh... Well, because the turntable had a central and outer rings, mm-hmm. um, which I have a general distrust of turntables in theater um, because of all of my experience with them. This, of course, pulled it off. Turntables are impossible. Yes. Oh, God. I was thinking about the cues. <laughs> like, oh, my God. The cues. The cues or the, at the start of Satisfied where everybody has to do everything backwards because uh-huh. they're rewinding. Yeah. So the turntable reverses direction. Everybody else is in fast motion repeating the last song they performed. Yeah, that is an amazing <laughs> visually. Just amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. There, there's so much in this thing. Um, yeah, breaking down how things are staged, why mm-hmm. they're staged that way, what kind of what meaning they're building from mm-hmm. the staging. Um, yeah, I'd watch it again right now. And and all of the the performances and what they the actors, the specific actors mm-hmm. are bringing to this role, and thinking about how it could be performed differently or how it might be in the the tours and the revivals. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be revived. I I think it'll be on Broadway maybe for thirty years. And then revived in 40 to 50. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's Assuming Broadway comes back. Right, yeah. <laughs> Following the likes of, like, Cats Yeah, no, this Lion is, is going to be Cats, and... Lion King, Phantom, Chorus Line. Like, this is going to be one of those things that is that is part of our culture going forward. Which I think is really interesting that this is the show that does that. Because I want to talk about how this musical remakes but also reifies the myth of the founding of america yep um so this 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 is gonna be the heavier part of the podcast everybody we're gonna talk about well and this is also like you gotta talk about the casting yes right and let's talk about the casting (laughs) actors of color 
um, almost at an unheard of level of success mm-hmm. for musical that's almost entirely actors of color. There's such yes. a low percentage of actors of color who are cast in Broadway. Yes. Um, at all. Which... This is following on the heels of In the Heights, which yes. was a, a full, which was a huge success. And I think people have forgotten, like, what, how big, in the how <laughs> big that musical was, what a success, yeah. how amazing it is. And again, it's a act, uh, it's a cast of color. Yes. Um, of of specifically Latinx mm-hmm. and Afro Latinx yes. um, actors uh, or playing characters. Yes. Of, of and it's an amazing piece of musical theater as well. Um, yeah, people are going to be rediscovering In the Heights for the next decade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, at least we have a movie the, coming yeah. out, so that'll help. Yeah. But people are going to see that and go like, what? This? This is amazing. Assuming the film does well, because it's always possible it could be another rent. I don't think it will be, but it could be. <laughs> uh, they're not bringing back the original cast, though, for the In the Heights movie, which is Just- good. Um, I'm not as knowledgeable on that, so I, I can't. I have said most of the things I know about it in the last two minutes. Um, yeah, so this amazing cast of color, you know, playing white people, you know, playing historically white people. Well, and, you know, it's a cast of color, but it's also predominantly a black cast. Yes. Black actors. And you, mm-hmm. you have, you know, you have some Latinx, you have some mm-hmm. Asian Americans, uh, specifically. King George is white. Yes. Played by a white actor. You've got some white actors in the dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of the things that has been tagged as a revolutionary thing about mm-hmm. this musical. And it is. Yes. It is. It is. It is unprecedented. Absolutely. Minus like in the Heights. Yes, absolutely. On, on Broadway. Um, and here comes the butt. <laughs> I think it's an and. <laughs> here comes the and. And in doing that, it doesn't actually complicate the mythology of these people. No. And let me be clear. We're not putting in this and to say there should have been white actors. No. 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 I think that's why it's a yes and. Okay. That's why I think it's a yes and. This is amazing. They're phenomenal. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... They're using art forms that are, you know, largely from black communities mm-hmm. um, coming from. And when, you know, you you have white rappers, Eminem, Iggy Azalea, Post Malone, it's <laughs> super problematic <laughs> and kind of, kind of bristly. Um, so that that is a long discussion. Yes. Of, of why that is. So and that's, of course. The rap and the hip hop. There are other styles: Broadway ballads mm-hmm. and, and jazz. Yeah, well, I think I think the musical, this musical in particular, does an amazing job of blending those two. Like people go, "Oh, this is a hip hop musical," and that can be a turn off for people. But it's it's much more complex than that. It is a musical, and it uses hip hop, and it is both of those things simultaneously, in ways that are neither fully one or the other. Yeah, revolutionary. Except for in the Heights. Except for in the which Heights, which also did that <laughs> because. Lynn Miranda has done this before. <laughs> yes. Let's, yes. Let's see that. Let's do that. More of that. And it doesn't complicate the story. So this is so the tagline of the musical is the story of America then told by America now. Mm-hmm. So and the implications there founding fathers, 
patriarchal, men, white, American now, multicultural. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use multicultural as a term because it's neoliberal. Yes. And that is kind of the direction it goes into a neoliberal, mm-hmm. multicultural space. Um, so, which, statistically, we are going to be, what, a nation governed by the majority minority? Is that as as white as white people become a minority in the U.S., mm-hmm. statistically, population-wise. Yeah, and I mean, we're still, I think, quite a ways off from that. But yes, yes. That, that is the direction that we are heading if population trends continue. Right. So we are, we have many races. Yes. In the U.S. Um, we have much racism yes. that we have never <laughs> dealt with. Yes. Much of which started in the moments this play depicts but ignores right you have not only slavery but genocide yeah. of indigenous populations mm-hmm. which it doesn't even touch no it doesn't doesn't acknowledge at all no peoples. it 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 nudges slavery and it goes slavery's bad john lawrence wanted to abolish slavery which i believe is true but that doesn't it doesn't challenge why that never changed like why john lawrence was pushing for an abolition and not just john lawrence but like all the enslaved people were also pushing for abolition um and it chooses not to tell that story and it doesn't have to tell that story you don't have to tell every story every time but it is an it is an omission that reifies certain myths about america and I think one of them is that slavery is too hard to talk about in period pieces, mm-hmm. unless it's a film like 12 Years a Slave that's uh, talking about enslaved people mm-hmm. and from their point of view. But, you know, I watch a lot of period films and TV mm-hmm. spaces, and they just deal with, uh, you know, enslaved people by not... Yeah. Dealing with it. Maybe someone's in the background, but they almost don't even want to show that the servants are enslaved people because they know that's bad. Yeah. So it seems like that is kind of following. There's a continued kind of uncomfortability mm-hmm. with that. Uh, there is a problem. You do get the, the idea through this that Hamilton is an abolitionist or abolitionist adjacent yes. person. Yes. And there's not a lot of evidence for that. But there is that he traded slaves for his in-laws, the Skylers, who had enslaved people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. I'm going to catch my- <laughs> I'm going to try to catch myself. Enslaved people's yes. um and yeah, he would he would he was making that possible. A lot of the white male historians um who have written about Hamilton have really kind of gone out of their way to say that Hamilton and Eliza did not have any enslaved people in their household, mm-hmm. maybe two in their household, <laughs> but you know, and that's it's just a little bit of depriving people of their humanity. Um, so I haven't read all the articles by scholars who have been critical of the racial history um, depicted in Hamilton. Uh, I'm still getting through, but the I, something that I've been seeing in some of them is a lot of these founding fathers were vocal against enslaved people mm-hmm. like they were kind of and saying the institution of slavery right and king george did it he yeah. made it yeah. he made it and now we can't <laughs> get away from it 
Except that they had these huge plantations. Yeah. They had children. Yeah. Um, by enslaved women. Yeah. They, they continued... Uh, they continued the curious institution as they... So you can't yeah. take... If you find that one of these guys is saying something that's abolitionist-sounding... <laughs> that you, you have to question it a little bit. Right. That's a huge blind spot. Yes. On, on that. The other part is of having these actors of color, specifically black actors. Yes. Like v. Diggs, Christopher Jackson, mm-hmm. um, playing Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, who are like... Two of the worst offenders. Yes, absolutely. They were both Virginians, as the as the play makes clear, and then kind of ignores what that means. <laughs> yeah, and and then to see because especially because they're trying to make this accessible to a more general audience, but it's it's an upper class white audience that's seeing yeah. it. Um, yeah. and there's kind of a little bit of of a lack of complicity, lack of, or is I think they the, are complicit. Yeah, if you see black actors playing these white founding fathers who... Then it's okay. Who we have really, really, really tried to separate. <laughs> like, M- M- Mount Vernon Monticello are still not dealing... <laughs> with their with history those. of enslaving people. Yeah, then the white audience can be like, okay. It's okay. It's, it's, not, a, it's not such a big deal. Yeah. It was in the background yeah. of things. Um, Again, but it wasn't. <laughs> That is not to say that we should always have white actors playing. No, our that's not what that says. But it is complicated. And it, it is, is complex. Um, and I always think it's interesting that there was a third cabinet battle that got cut from yeah, earlier. Yeah, what would that have been like? Well, the 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 lyrics exist. Like we have, and then we have even I think a recording of it from the workshops. Well, but I mean, seeing it yes. in the context. Yes, I think of the show. I I can understand, not necessarily agree with. I can understand the decision to cut it because I don't think that it would fit the narrative of the show. Because I think the show ignores that narrative or chooses not to tell that narrative. Um, because Hamilton probably wasn't an abolitionist, and it certainly doesn't tie into, from what we can see, his relationship to Aaron Burr, which is sort of the core relationship over the course of the entire mm-hmm. musical. Um, whereas the other two cabinet battles very much are about Hamilton's journey. Yeah, they are. They are about you know things he was fighting for and right or wrong about, and and so honestly, dramaturgically, it doesn't fit. No, it doesn't. I I agree completely with the decision to cut it. Uh, but I think it's interesting that Miranda was wondering about that and thinking about that, at least during the, the creation of this musical, um, and then still ended up having to make the decision to, to remove it. Because I think I think there's there's a certain weight to it. I think you're talking about this. Like, when you talk about it, you have to make everything about it. Well, it makes me think of a class I was a TA for where uh, there was one race focused race uh one day we focused on theater and race Mm -hmm. and there was from a predominantly white student population Mm -hmm. and they pushed back so hard (laughs) and there's a certain amount of white fragility there but it was also it wasn't something that was built in from the syllabus from the very first day Mm -hmm. and it was just theater 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 and race (laughs) Um, and I think, you know, they would have pushed back if we had done it from the beginning, yes. too. And it would have just been 
an even more miserable just 15 weeks of pushing back <laughs> semester too but because we didn't do that then it was even bigger and so we have to discuss it in the beginning yeah it should always be part of the conversation yeah and there is like there is no talking about white theater makers without talking about race yeah too of it's, and, it's, and so Hamilton doesn't do that. So yes. it does not start from the beginning of kind of thinking through mm-hmm. genocide and slavery. No. Those two original those two sins. two bricks that America was built on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at least it mentions. Yes, it does. And that's, I think, more than maybe we had in 1776. I never saw 1776, but... He references 1776. Oh, and what? Um, So when John Adams gets president, gets elected, um, and Hamilton says, uh, sit the F down, or they actually bleep it. They actually bleeped it in the stage version. So that was, was, and someone asked him about it once, and he goes, it's funnier that way, Um, is a reference to Sit Down John, which is a song from Uh, 1776. Again, layers. Like, there's just one offline that's a throwaway that happens to be a reference yeah. to that. Or um, after Hamilton starts his affair, he says, nobody needs to know. And the first time I heard that, I was like, that sounds exactly like the song Nobody Needs to Know from Last Five Years. Mm. And it was in the credits as from last five years. Because <laughs> he's pulling from both of those areas. He's pulling yeah. musical theater just as much as he's pulling from the history of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not saying that, yeah, again, it's complicated. Yeah. I'm going to, and when I post this, I'm going to link to some articles that mm-hmm. do a much better job of sussing out the complexities. Yes. But it's not, you cannot fit everything no. into it. It cannot be the be-all, end-all, definitive history. Nothing um, can. But it is... But we still need something to tell that story. Yes. We still need to talk about that. And when people call the musical revolutionary, it is... Yes. In many, many ways. Absolutely. But it's often not in the way the people th- think. Might think, yeah. Might, might think. Um, yeah. yeah. So I was writing down, I think for white audiences, this musical made them think differently about, um, it made them think differently about history mm-hmm. and the way we stage history in theater. Like a lot of them would, it wouldn't have crossed their minds to cast actors of color in white yeah. roles. And to hear uh, the musical journey, this kind of yeah. takes you on and it makes history fun and engaging. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are humans and they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, the musical succeeds so much in doing that. But it does not make white people think more about race or gender in U.S. history. Absolutely. Yeah. It still very much centers the people you expect to be centered in a story about the founding of the United States. Yeah. Um, it recenters Hamilton in a way that um, he hasn't been before this moment. Because... Right. He's not one of the star founding yeah, he's fathers. Yeah, not, he's not Jefferson or Washington or Ben Franklin. He's not quite a founding father but he's also not not a founding father it's you know we don't see him at all in this show which is interesting um because he wasn't really a politician Mm. um as i understand it from my incredibly flawed understanding of the american revolution so i'm probably wrong but um he's not like he's on he's on our money but like he's not lincoln he's not washington he's not a name that you know you're like well yeah he's the guy in the ten dollar bill why i don't know like and that's the first one is the ten dollar founding father Mm -hmm. Um, so it recenters him, 
but he is still part of this cadre of centered people that are mm-hmm. on our money. Yeah. <laughs> so that that is interesting, and and I think it's it's worth noting that the reason Lin-Manuel Manuel Miranda was drawn to this story while reading the biography of Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow during production of In the Heights. Like, that's when he mm-hmm. came up with this. He was like, this is the story of so many of these rap artists, you know, yeah. being an immigrant, quote-unquote, from the Caribbean who came here with nothing, worked his way to the top, made a life of himself, and died early. Like, that is a quintessential hip-hop story. Yes. And Miranda's genius, in part, was recognizing that and being able to to understand that. And it goes the step in the casting of actors of color of saying this is their history too. Yes. Because, you know, it is <laughs> the descendants of enslaved indigenous and indigenous people pre descendants can trace their history back mm-hmm. much further than more recent what we would now consider white immigrants. Yes. Yeah. So this is their story. Absolutely. All of U.S. history is their story. Mm-hmm. It's just not told well. Yes. Or fairly. Or accurately. <laughs> or accurately. <yeah. laughs> and I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, any of the stuff that we saw in here was inaccurate. I do think there were some liberties taken from what I've read. There were some minor yes, historical liberties, are. which I don't care about um, in the context of this show. Like, knowing what is and isn't accurate is important, but... For the context of the show, it doesn't matter. Um, But the it still tells the story we could find in history books. Mm -hmm. It tells it in a new way and in a way that is more approachable and opens it up to more people, but still has a lot of the same blind spots that 1776 had. Well, and I honestly wonder too. um, You know, this is part of my feminist training as well. Like we are so used and this this is maybe a criticism that is not fair at all but we are so used to seeing the stories of white men the great man mm-hmm. biography that everyone starts not everyone but th- we get this idea of universality yes of with it and so you know as a feminist i've had to retrain myself to see what's the difference between how i might relate to a white male protagonist in a film mm-hmm. or theater Versus a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, this is the bro culture online. They can't handle a woman <laughs> protagonist. They can't handle a film like Wonder Woman because they can't feel like they can't relate yeah. to her. I would love to see a woman play Hamilton, though. Oh, yeah. L- we'll get to the, like, <laughs> non-traditional gender just, casting. just occurred to me, like, oh, that would be really cool. But I think, <laughs> and this isn't a double standard for Miranda, but I wonder how much of white audiences... Um, except that Miranda could see himself in Hamilton, but a white person could never see themselves in a person of colors. Yeah. You know, in yeah. Um, the, biography. The Harriet Tubman movie that came out and then yeah. kind of disappeared. Right. You can't imagine yourself as <laughs> Like, which, Harriet if I remember Tubman. correctly, they had to cut out parts of Harriet Tubman's history because no one would believe them. Mm. <laughs> because they were too cool. <laughs> It's like, no, there's no way she did that. It's like, yeah, no, she did. Truth is stranger than uh, fiction. Yeah, that was the, the Titanic video we just watched, too. It's like, yeah. you wouldn't believe any of this if this was pitched to you, yeah. except it all happened. This is not to say that by folks always see themselves in the 
great white man Nerdo. No, they're gonna. But they've been trained to identify with that because that's all they're given so very often. Yeah, and and white people are not. No, or even to see that that is an option and a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to take? Is that most of the? Um. I mean, I think that's Problems a lot of, of this stuff. And, whiteness. Uh, we touched on gender and the Schuyler sisters. Um, and that Eliza is kind of a gap and a cipher in the text of the show. I think Philippa Sue brought so much to that character. Um, she reminded me a heck of a lot by the end of Linda Lohman. Like, that's the, mm-hmm. the theatrical connection I was making. Um, the wife of Willie Lohman, Lohman from Death, Death of a Salesman, Salesman, Arthur Miller. Um, Attention Must Be Paid is, of course, her final line, or one of her final lines. I, don't I think her final line is We're Free. But um, she talks about that. And, like, there's a lot of Linda Lohman in Eliza Schuyler as we see her in this. It, and sort of subsuming her wants and wishes to the whims of this quote-unquote great man. Obviously, Lohman is not a great man. That's the whole point. He is a low man, and that's a whole other conversation about death of a salesman and what it's accomplishing. But Linda Lohman is possibly the most tragic character in Death of a Salesman, which a lot of people don't notice in their productions, and I think that is equally true of... Eliza Schuyler. Well, and it's very easy to read Linda Lohman without any agency, but it kind of depends on the actor and the yes. production, and she can have some agency. Absolutely. I've seen productions where she has a lot of agency. Yeah, and so Philippa Sue as Eliza, she's got some agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you do feel, like, some empowerment in that last song when she spends the rest of her, her life um, gathering his Creating letters. the archives. Yeah, creating <laughs> the archives for, yes. for Hamilton. And I think I think that's not as strongly in the script as it is in the performance. Um, yeah. So I was just reading James McMaster's um, rereading his article from HowlRound yes. on, in 2016. That was critical. Yeah, of one it. of the and first critical pieces to come out about was, Hamilton. It was one and of was, the first. It was not greatly received. No, people were mad. <laughs> um, but yeah, but. A few sc- scholars did pick up on it and were like, "Yeah, we act, we agree with this, yes. and we're going to further this and and talk about it more." And, and now that the moment his article was prescient for the moment that we are in in twenty twenty, um, and I'll link to that too because mm-hmm. it's um, it's worth reading. It's so worth reading. It was so genius. Like when I read it too, I remember in twenty sixteen. I remember I when you like, when you you were like James like, wrote this thing, and it's brilliant. <laughs> And he's going to be such a star. Yes. And I mean, like, I knew him when. <laughs> such a star scholar. Um, but he uh, he points out many things, but I was just reminded, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No. Hamilton does not pass the most basic, <laughs> no. like, parameter that yeah. we have to even begin to talk about. The presence of women. The presence of women. Real quick, Bechdel test from an Alison Bechdel um comic mm-hmm. uh which is there's three requirements to pass it you must have more than more than one, more than one woman. woman character <laughs> they must have a conversation they must talk to each other to each other and it must be a conversation that is not about men yes 
And this... This does not pass that. This doesn't pass it. This does not pass that. Um, and it, it gets as far as having one... More than one woman. It's got, yeah. it's got four women characters. Yeah. <laughs> three actresses, but, you know, three actors. But, uh, yeah, they don't ever talk about anything other than Hamilton. They talk yeah. to each other about Hamilton. <laughs> and even then, they only briefly talk to each other. Mostly they're talking to him or to us, the audience. I, and this is super frustrating to yeah. me because I know that all of the ways that people are going to justify this mm-hmm. um, to themselves are the same dang thing. They've always used feminist scholars, <laughs> feminists everywhere have been putting up or, you know, not putting up with railing against. <laughs> but, oh, we just don't have enough information mm-hmm. on them in the archive. She burned all her they, letters. We yeah. don't know. And so you do get songs <laughs> like that, which are like, we don't know because she burned her letters. And we're going to acknowledge that. And, and, and a lot of feminists, because feminists are not, a you know, one giant unanimous group, a lot of feminists saw that as an excellent feminist intervention. Yeah. I'm glad it's there. Absolutely. I'm glad it it's there. there. Um, it is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have... Anything to say about the new country, but they start out that the, oh, the, the Skyler sisters, the song the is song, great. They start out like I'm reading Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I'm here to like see the intellectuals going mm-hmm. um, and the riffraff. Yes, there's, there's a kind of a bohemian uh, <laughs> sense there. Um, I'm here to learn. I need a mind at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we lose that. Yeah, and they have you know very little say or opinions or anything mm-hmm. on the founding of the country and it's it's largely just about what Hamilton's doing and yeah. his personal life yeah. and and I'm and that makes me angry and it makes me enjoy it less. I know. I get it. it yeah. And I I can it's a brilliant musical and I love it and I'm And you can still be angry. mad about it. It's okay for things to be complex and, and emotions. And Eliza goes back to Hamilton. She forgives him, but it's never clear why. Yeah. Except that we needed her to forgive him and and the tragedy of their son being killed mm-hmm. uh, you know brought them closer together, but mm-hmm. I, um, But we don't know why. But I and, don't And I don't know why she thought all of his things were worth saving and yeah. archiving yeah. what she agreed with what she saw as mm-hmm. as his yeah. greatness we don't ever get that story um which is a shame because i think it's a really interesting thing um and i think i think angelica has a really interesting story too again mostly contained in the song uh satisfied and then sort of followed throughout the rest of the musical but the idea that she feels trapped by the situation that she's in and being the eldest child of a man with no male sons who has to you know follow these scripts of like how to marry someone who's rich and then move to london and all these sorts of things um but then doesn't we see that in i think satisfied and then we kind of just see glimpses of it throughout the rest of the play uh, because I think, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think one of them is because I don't want to just like blame the source material, but I think I suspect Chernow didn't talk about that as much because we probably don't have as much. We probably don't have those records. And there is implicit bias. Absolutely, that a wife, a mother can't change history in yeah. the way that a male politician can. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's also other opportunities to bring in other founding women like Abigail Adams. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
who is having these conversations with her husband and like mm-hmm. saying, get that vote in. <laughs> get some rights to women. Yes. Um, and again, because of the choice of the narrative, they didn't do that. And it's a little disappointing. Um, yeah. It's, I have to say the feminist scholars, I, I, in my circle, I'll roll their eyes and, ugh, gosh, why? Oh, at, uh, at Hamilton? Yeah. At the, at, at the, yeah. Those are the only women. And because they didn't go, they could see as far as non-traditional race, race casting, mm-hmm. racial casting, but yes. not tradition, non-traditional gender yes. casting. What would a non, like a woman Plain Hamilton or a non cis man, mm-hmm. uh, trans, non binary. Like, yeah. what would that bring to it? Hey, what a trans man is Washington. <laughs> Let's. That would see be what fascinating. Happens. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that if someone were to go, like, again, this is going to be one of those things, musicals going to be around forever. And I think if someone were to go to the producers and the, the rights holders and say, we want to cast a woman as Washington. I think they would be okay with it, or as Hamilton. I don't think they would be okay if you go, we want to cast a bunch of white people as Hamilton. <laughs> um, because I think one of those is more integral to the script. And there may have been actual cases of that happening. I don't know. I don't. I, it's not like the rights are available for anyone right now. No, it won't be for a oh, long, long time. time. <laughs> of course, we're never going to do theater again. Yeah. We're never going to make film or TV <laughs> again. Um, this is it. We went out with Hamilton. That was the last film ever made. Yeah. And well, okay. So something that really annoyed me, mm-hmm. and in watching it, that I hadn't really thought about before because I didn't listen to the album over sure. and over again, yeah. um, is that they are only singing, and except for that brief moment where Angelica is is um, rapping, mm-hmm. that's it. That's it. And the rest of the time, they are singing. That's really problematic to me. I can understand dramaturgically why that might happen Mm -hmm. um but i think most of the dramaturgical reasons are to feminize Mm -hmm. the women i think that women who are in hip-hop and are rapping are masculinized in many yes i I think that's a long much longer conversation and we can talk about like Nicki minaj and cardi b kind of performing this hyper feminine Mm -hmm. um woman but you know i think about cardi b was the first woman to win Best Hip Hop Album really? at the Grammys. I'm going to have to double check that. I, but I, that doesn't sound right to I'm me. pretty sure it was Cardi B. And you got to... <laughs> I mean, it, I believe it, no. it could be possible, but like, there are so many amazing women hip hop artists. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For a long, long time. Now we're both looking yeah. at first. Like, I believe that it could happen... Uh, was it best best rap album? Is what we're looking at. Um, could be. I can't remember if it was rap or hip hop because. Um, I mean, best rap album's only been around since '96. We've still okay. Lauren Hill is the first female okay. to win. Lauren Hill, yeah. But Cardi B became but Lauren Hill with the Fugees. Cardi B was the first solo female rapper. Okay. To win. Um, I believe best that. rap album. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Fugees. One could argue that the Fugees were Lauren Hill, but I don't know enough mm-hmm. about hip hop to do that. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. I know enough about. Well, then I'm wrong. Um. 
Yeah. I'll be wrong. So it took about 25 years yeah. for okay. the first solo. Yeah. Um, we know there's a huge discrepancy in the music industry as a whole. Yes. And in hip hop. Uh, in terms of depiction, you're not depiction, but, you know, celebration of, of female rap artists, women rappers. And there are so many really good ones. I'm really mad about this now. Yeah, no, that's it. And I'm... Cardi B? Okay. Like, you, Cardi B is cool and all, but we know they are better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about music. I know there's better than Cardi B out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. <laughs> and that's what I kept thinking of. Yeah, and of I why think... why that... And, and to, to me, it comes down to this stereotype mm-hmm. that... Yeah. And I think... I think there's a lot of causes, and I think that is tied into all of them. I think that is probably... You know, so much of this is drawn on the music that Miranda grew up listening to, something he's talked about. And so he's reflecting the music industry, which, as we all know, also has these problems. And he's reinforcing those stereotypes and those beliefs. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that until you said it. So that's really interesting that they're always singing. Except for that one moment yeah. that Angelica has. That someone like Queen Latifah, who, like, hands down. <laughs> yeah, Queen Latifah. One of the best. <laughs> um Ever. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Who Who is also an integral part to this history. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's being referenced through the music. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I'm using rap and hip-hop synonymously, and I it's know... It's more complex than that. I know that's a huge blind spot, and um, I need to do more yeah. work on figuring that out. Um but I did know about Cardi B. <laughs> and I know enough that that makes you go, hmm. 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 I mean, yeah. congrats, Cardi B. Yeah, I'm happy for Good. you. I'm glad, I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of other dramaturgical reasons that it could be. It's not the story they chose to tell. I mean, that's, that's, I think, what it boils down to. We can talk about the whys and the cultural pre-moment you know, that we have been in and the things that are going on that led up to this moment, but it's the perennial blind spot that so much media has. Yeah. And like why books and blogs like The Feminist Spectator even exist is to talk about, like, you know, to get real blunt, like the male gaze, like these sorts of very integral, you know, beginning 101 steps of feminist criticism are still needed, are still something we have to have this conversation about. It's still a blind spot. It's still overlooked. For any given reason, there's... You can come up with a hundred reasons, and none of them really justify it. No, and it makes total sense for them to be singing in this show. Yeah. I think... I can't... I almost can't imagine them rapping. Mm -hmm. Like, what would that bring mm-hmm. to it and you got to you got to meet every piece of media with where it's at yes and then kind of think about what are the intentions and does it meet those mm-hmm. intentions too and yeah what so, how does it convey meaning how does yeah. it create meaning does it do it the way it meant to <laughs> yeah. um yeah but no, i think i think that is a uh yeah a blind spot the skylar sisters are my favorite characters and also are vastly underserved by the story <laughs> both of those things can be true well, and I gotta say, I'm a lot more passionate about that 
um, because I'm so trained in, in feminism, but it's also an example of this white privilege that I'm not like as equally angry and passionate about the not talking about slavery and enslaved people. Yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> Because I'm still in this, like, Western history. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's so ingrained in, in thinking. Um, yeah. Oh, it's kind of, it's hard. It's really hard to deal with that part of this history. <laughs> and we should acknowledge it. But uh, it, uh. it's going to make it a real bummer if... <laughs> I think Eliza's story is kind of a real bummer if we if we center it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah that's that uh, that is telling about how my own biases yeah peek through. Um, I agree. Other thoughts? Um, I, mean, I could literally talk about this movie for days, and yeah. probably will, but. Oh, it makes history fun and engaging. Um, I want to talk about the cabinet battles, the rap battles, the cabinet meetings. Oh, yeah, those are fun. Those are really fun. And different, uh, like a different moment Mm -hmm. um, without their stage and bringing out the mics. Yes. And to really replicate. And and replicating that that moment, um, that language visually. Um, I think it's really interesting. I wrote this down when I was watching it. So we see two cabinet meetings. One and two is what they're just called. It's like cabinet meeting one, cabinet meeting two. The first one is about um, centralizing a bank for the U.S. And the second one is about um, supporting France in their revolution. And I wrote this down. Hamilton wins both battles. Not necessarily in the moment, but he gets what he wants out of both of them. Mm-hmm. In the first one, he does get a centralized bank because of whatever happened in the room where it happened. Um, and in the second one, they he convinces George Washington not to support the French. Um, I think it's really interesting that, A, that happened, you know, from a historical perspective, obviously it wasn't a rap battle in the cabinet, but those were the arguments that were being had in that moment, being represented by that. Um, and I don't know enough about fiscal policy to know if um, centralizing the banks in the U.S. was the correct choice. It's a complicated question I don't have the answer to, but I do you feel confident in saying not supporting the French during the revolution was the wrong choice to make? That's true. <laughs> and so it's interesting that Hamilton, even if he wins both battles, is wrong in at least one case. Yeah. Um, and that his, it's, the musical is not afraid to make Hamilton wrong throughout, throughout it. But I think that was the more blatant example of it. Yeah, you're um, like the like, yeah, we the French helped us. We should help. We should definitely help them. It's like, yeah, but we promised the king, and the king's dead, so we don't have any more promises. Yeah. I'm like, that's a bad answer. Well, and in mm. the previous act, you see, like, that the French, their support won the war. Absolutely. Like, that's what pushed them over yeah. the edge. And that's a moment clearly represented in the yes. first act. Yeah, when we see Lafayette come out and spit mad raps that are unintelligibly fast. <laughs> Like, that's what that moment is about, is we won because of France. And it was real shady and underhanded to not support them in their own revolutionary acts. Um, That was, I was disappointed in that. But I was also, I was fascinated in the willingness to complicate Hamilton. Because while this is a musical that 
to a certain extent, makes him into a myth and deifies him, as it does with all of the Founding Fathers, which we've been talking about is, is difficult. But it's not afraid to let him be wrong in ways that I think the duels are all a really good example of that. Like, none of the outcomes of any of the duels is good. No, someone gets shot. Someone gets shot every single time, and it's always over something stupid. Duels are stupid. Duels are stupid. And I think this movie, or this musical, would argue that duels are stupid. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to me how rare the musical let him be wrong but still was willing to do it i mean obviously the affair would we could argue was morally wrong um but he's more interested in saving face by admitting the affair than anyone thinking he was embezzling money which i think again is is one of those like really like hmm i mean (laughs) from an outside perspective yeah that's probably like embezzling from the government you just put up is worse worse than having having an affair. affair But you are like, there's no conflict in him. He's like, absolutely, I'm going to say I had this yeah. affair, and that's where the money. And they all laugh at him. They go, he wrote it out. He put a, he made the Reynolds pamphlet, and, and it seemed like such an easy choice for him, yes. without thought to repercussions. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't have a lot of sympathy for him having an affair either. I was, I was like, that's a dumb move, man. Um, I think it's interesting that there's ambiguity about whether or not he was set up. He mm. sort of claims that he was, um, but it's never resolved clearly one way that he pays yeah. he pays the husband off Reynolds, um, but it's never made explicitly clear one way or the other what was going on there. Right, Mariah only exists in the story to have the affair. Yes. Really, and so then this conflict with the embezzling versus paying yes. off blackmail can happen. Yes. Of that. Who she is doesn't really matter Mm-mm. to the story. Yeah. She's the and Peggy of Act Two. Exactly. That's why they're <laughs> played by the same actor. Yeah. Because oh, we should talk about the, um, the the double role, doubling of roles, I think is really yeah. interesting. Oh, can I just say about the rap battle, too? Yes. That I liked it when Thomas Jefferson dropped the mic and Ed James Madison caught, caught it. it. You never want to drop a don't mic. Don't drop a mic. It's bad. It's bad for mics. Please don't do that. No. Yes, that was a very good moment. Um, yeah, the rap battles were great. David Diggs was amazing in them, and the rest of the musical. He's great. Oh, yeah, I want him in everything. <laughs> also, small side note: I did really appreciate David Diggs' uh, guest starring role in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and he does a historical rap for a college class he's in, and he's terrible at it. <laughs> Uh, that little acting meta theater <laughs> meta thing happening yes. there. Yeah, because he's an amazing rapper. <laughs> um, yeah, this show loves America. I wrote that down. It really does. Mm. Um, Which is super problematic. Yes. At any time in our history where we haven't we haven't dealt with the sins mm-hmm. of America and 2020 where it's just really being visibly unraveled for everyone. Everyone can see it now. Yes. Um, yeah. Someone else wrote down um, people who I wrote to my, I wrote a note to myself. Who says this? People say, hold this up as a story of the U S. Um, but I think it's a lot smaller than that in a lot of ways. It's actually not a story about, 
the founding of America. It's a story that happens during the founding of America rather than being about that. Mm -hmm. Because it is about Hamilton and Burr and their relationship. Mm -hmm. And their their journeys. There's another thing I said I wanted to talk about, but I have since forgotten. Oh, it was was the doubling, which we kind of have talked about the doubling of Lafayette and Jefferson as David Diggs. Mm -hmm. And they were both people connected to France. Lafayette was French. Jefferson comes in after spending all this diplomatic time Mm -hmm. in in Paris. Yeah. Um, Hercules Mulligan and James Madison are doubled, and they're both kind of in subsidiary, subservient Mm -hmm. um, roles. Oh, this is the one I wanted to talk about. Um, was Lawrence and Philip. Philip Hamilton, son of Alexander Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton, who I'm just now realizing Philip is named after Philip Schuyler. (laughs) Just, just put that together in this moment. Um, No, I want to, I want to, wanted to mention Philip and Lawrence um, only because one of the most fascinating um, like fandom ships in the Hamilton universe is Hamilton Lawrence. Mm. Um, Hamilton slash Lawrence. Mm. Um, which I could see where that was coming from in this. Like, their relationship is um, more romantic than he has with, for example, Lafayette or mm-hmm. Mulligan or even Burr. Like, I'm sure there's Hamilton Burr shippers out there, too. Um, but I think that ship is particularly easy to launch, to use a, a nautical metaphor for a ship, because Philip is played by Lawrence, by the same actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can draw a... There's a familial... Yes, there's a familial resemblance mm-hmm. to that. Um, I don't have a dog in that fight, but I think it's an interesting ship. I mean, is it also because Lawrence is the sole abolitionist? I mean, it probably doesn't hurt. Like, <laughs> doesn't hurt that we got always, one abolitionist. It always seems like a lot of this Hamilton abolitionist comes from wanting to honor Lawrence's memory mm-hmm. and what Lawrence yes. and who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's also it because he dies yeah. in the battle. It's kind of like an unrequited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots love. of reasons you can get onto that. He's very sad. Yes, he he's very sad about Lawrence. Lawrence dies. Um, yeah, that's all. That's that was the only thing we hadn't talked about the doubling that I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. Another critique: it's a neoliberal play mm-hmm. in how it deals with history. Yeah, I think that's kind of been said. It's yeah, interesting. I think the greatest evidence to that right now is that John Bolton's book is called The Room Where It Happened. And I really appreciate I appreciated watching Lynn Manuel Miranda on the Jimmy Fallon late night show, whichever one that is. Um, Fallon asking him about it and Manuel Miranda is uh, just like oh, I can't believe I have to deal with this. You just like uh. You can see just the just internal so, struggle. So done with that. Why did he do that and not testify before Congress? Congress. He wrote a stupid book and stole my title <laughs> from my revolutionary <laughs> musical. That, that was all that. I, that was yeah. all the subtext. Yes. In, in her monologue, I was reading. Yeah. Of I it did um, appreciate that question, but that it could be uh, adapted. in what's my word? It's adapted, it's correlated, appropriated by these alt-right figureheads. Oh, yeah. 
moving who moved towards an authoritarian yeah. sort of patriotism to the to the US as opposed to the way that Mike Pence was received at the Hamilton um performance yeah. right after the election or right before the election it was, it right, was right around it was, it was then. before the inauguration but after the election I think is what it was or in that in that early period yeah and and that um, and they came out and said, hey, be nice to people. And he was like, no, I'm going to leave. And and Trump was like, oh, they, they, I don't even know. He didn't say, I don't know. It was, some, it was a long time ago. It was really critical of the actors and the show yeah. and how dare they not, how dare they criticize the vice president yes. or the future vice president. And that's not American and you're yeah. not allowed to do that. Um, I'm like, do you know what it, show you're watching? <laughs> you know, it was this push to kind of turn off conservative audiences mm-hmm. to Hamilton. I don't know how much they liked Hamilton to Hamilton begin with. To begin with, I don't know. Um, I'm sure some of them like it. But then we have because this- because it is it doesn't complicate the history of America very much. <laughs> yeah, it complicates some of the people involved in the myth of America, but it doesn't actually complicate the story that we tell. Yeah, very much. Yeah. But we have this 180. In 2020, where Bolton is like, is like I'm going to steal this. That, <laughs> yeah. Um, title that he was in the room where it happened, or he wasn't. I don't know. He was. He definitely he was. He was, because he knows. And it's in the book, and he didn't <laughs> and testify. He didn't testify um, when he was asked to. But that, uh, I don't think, again, I'm not going to read the book. <laughs> I but I don't think book. he's using it ironically as in, like, I dislike this musical no. and I'm going to use this title. To you like, just think it's clever. <laughs> or the publisher was like, eh, this, will ah, sell. Yeah. this will sell with this title. Drum up some more controversy. Um, but yeah, I think that that reading is part of the neoliberalness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you cannot get to the level of success on Broadway that Hamilton has had without that perspective because your audience is still mostly rich white people um there's a certain amount of compromise yeah that probably needs to happen um lindsay i was talking about rent kind of crystallized that for me in a lot of ways that you can't actually have too much revolution on stage and be successful yeah i think yeah you want to watch it again yeah, I'm gonna have to watch. maybe maybe not this maybe not weekend. <laughs> but what a perfect time to talk about the problematic U.S. history. Yeah. Although I think that it's never Disney, a wrong time to talk about it. I gotta think Disney Plus is releasing it this weekend because it only sees the correlation with 1776 Independence Day <laughs> and founding Father Alexander. Not the Hamilton. other stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I hit most of the notes I wanted to talk about. This was supposed to come out in theaters, right? In 2021. Like, they pushed it up significantly. Um, But yes, and Disney spent a bajillion dollars to get the rights to it. Because it was filmed without Disney. It was filmed by the producers as going like, look, this is really important. We need to capture this. We need to capture this correctly. We need to have it. And they sold it to Disney for a theatrical release in 2021. Um, and uh, people in charge went, now, push the button. <laughs> There's a pandemic. 
<laughs> we need Hamilton. And people will watch it. People will watch it. We watched it. I'm not saying I got Disney Plus because of Hamilton, um, but I'm real glad to have Disney Plus for Hamilton. For Hamilton. Uh, any other thoughts? Final? I mean, I think those that was a lot. I think we've gone for a very... We've gone for a very long time. Very long We've talked time. a lot. It's a very long... It's a complex Complex show. musical. And you should definitely watch it. And it is amazing. And it's it amazing. And it is wonderful. It's, it's, it's a yes fantastic. and... <laughs> yes and... Yes. And. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go watch Hamilton. It's real good. And it's got some other stuff going on. <laughs> and think about it critically as well. Yeah. But you might have to watch it three or four times. I don't think Disney yes. will mind. Not at all. <laughs> Which actually is kind of nice because you don't have to buy a movie ticket. To see it five times. <laughs> but also think about donating to all of the, the artists and theatrical funds out there because all of these people are out of work. Yep. <laughs> All of Broadway is shut down. Very long time. And there's very little that we can do about it. Except donate to some relief funds. Yeah. Go Go. watch this movie multiple times. Some relief funds, some bail funds, you know. There are a lot of places to donate right now. Oh, hey, don't forget, Amy, before we stop recording for the day. Which we totally did and not do. <laughs> no, we have not done that. We're still recording just exactly like we were a second ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like this and our other banters, unprepared criticism, you can feedback on movies. Give us not money feedback. on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Where can you find us on Patreon? You can find us Kevin? at patreon.com slash five degrees. Because that's the name of our podcast. That is. Um, yeah. The, there's no, like, super secret hidden behind the, the scenes anything. I might write the occasional blog post. Um, what I was thinking about doing and making, you know, like a secret thing that only Patreons can see would be um, the list of movies I give you to choose every week. Oh. <laughs> um, and see what we didn't pick. <laughs> that's like what Movies with Mikey does. Yeah. Um, that was my, my clever, like, extra special Patreon bonus. But mostly it's because you want to give us money for making this podcast. Um, for context, if you are giving us money for the podcast, it's per episode. So you're, you're giving us money for every episode we release. Although you can set, like, a monthly cap if you don't want to give us more than $5 a month. And we record 30 podcasts in a month for some reason. Um, you will still only give us $5 if you put a monthly cap on it. Um, but yeah. No, no super special tiers. We're doing this in a true patronage format. We're still making this, giving it away for free, because podcasts should be free and accessible. And we're still figuring out stuff yeah, out, because nothing arrives in a perfect little package. Yeah. Of- but if you listen to this podcast, and for some reason you want to give us money, you can do it. The tiers, I think, are funny. I made them funny, because I like funny names for things. So there's four tiers. You can uh, just keep doing what you're doing. It's the lowest tier. Um... The second one is called Buy Us a Beer. So you can buy us a beer with your per episode. Um, the next one is Buy Us a Pizza, which is a ridiculous $10 per episode. Um, but with that, we'll buy us a pizza. Um, and then the other one was Buy Us Two Pizzas, just for extra ridiculousness, which if you want to give us $20 per episode, um, don't. Find something else to do with your money. Donate your money. Yeah. Donate your money. <laughs> But patrons like, you have to have a bunch of tiers. And I'm like, fine, I'll put a ridiculous tier called Buy Us Two Pizzas for $20 per episode. Um, Yeah, so support us. Don't, we're not in it for the money. um, But, you know, cover cost of like hosting and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, 
creating art takes labor and criticism takes labor and we value the labor that we put into this. Yes, because we did put in, we got five degrees. Yes. And <laughs> we have five degrees between us and they weren't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta rethink that going to grad school part. Yeah, don't go to grad school. Don't go to grad school. <laughs> that should be our slogan. Five degrees between us. Don't, don't go, go to, to grad, grad school. school. <laughs> yep. Cool. All right. That was a totally... Totally part of the natural totally conversation the that natural. we just had. Yep. All right. All right. We'll say goodnight, Amy. Whew, good night.